Hey, and welcome to You Don't Care About This Band. I'm Joe. And I'm Stephanie. We're a band called Separator. Welcome to the show. Our last few episodes, we got a little down and dirty and real about some stuff. And, and whenever that happens, we, we sort of like to swing back the other, other direction and talk about some lighter, more music in general topics. Tell them what they've won. Uh, we just... We got talking about pop music and different aspects of how it kind of influenced our music and different artists recently, and it just seemed like it'd be a really fun thing to do a podcast about. So we're actually going to do another two-parter about how we use pop music in our own music and how that's evolved, and then just how what we grew up with and um, how our lives have been influenced and the ways we use and go against a lot of the tropes you find there. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting history between the two of us with pop music and our relationship to it. Mm-hmm. And uh and I I guess we'll start there. You want to go first? What's your what's your history and relationship with with pop music? Yeah, I would say I mean my I've talked a little bit before about um just not having a lot of musical background and not being exposed to tons of music when I was a kid I think mostly because we would just listen to music in the car and Mm -hmm. so as a kid mostly what I listened to was was oldies you know which at the time was anything from the 50s to you know the 70s and my mom my mom hated 80s music she liked ABBA but she just hated any 80s music and we didn't like listen to ABBA we would listen to actually a lot of sort of country and then we would listen to like silly song type tapes that my brother and I liked when we were little bangers yeah so bangers only I think my first foray into like traditional pop music was definitely Mariah Carey Mariah Carey was huge when I was young um I was about sixth grade when the album music box hit and just you know um one of I listened to it actually the other day again, and it's such a solid, really good pop album that I think is still really fun to listen to to this day. And so that sort of sprung me into the more traditional pop arena, which I had never really explored much before. Not a Mariah Carey fan. Never, never clicked or connected with me. I've never actually, I listened to, you know, her early stuff. I think Music Box was kind of, and then the one after that, I think I had at some point, but I haven't continued to listen to her, but her early stuff, some of it's really good. I don't, probably some of the later stuff I would like too. I just haven't gone that, I haven't got into it. Yeah. Never, never really connected with her voice or, or the production or, mm-hmm. or anything like that. I mean, even just like a matter of, you know, pop hooks and, and that's really what you connect to is the, is the pop hook and, uh, hers you know i really couldn't pinpoint a lot of hooks even well it's more r&b influenced i think which is not your thing i think that's it Mm -hmm. i think that's it it definitely has an r&b background like i just listening through to music box the other day there was ones i forgot about i was like oh dang i really like this song i still i haven't heard this in you know 20 years or whatever but i i still think it's really cool so i don't think i agree with you i think with that necessarily as much as i think that you just don't connect to r&b in general as a genre i really don't Mm -hmm. it's interesting when uh in the pop world and the hip-hop world if it's coming from a more r&b influenced angle i usually don't connect with it Mm -hmm. never have maybe i will in the future get into it but but it's never been my thing 
And then same go, you know, on the other side of the coin, pop and hip hop world, if it's coming from an influence of electronica or club or anything like that, I'll gravitate more towards it and it'll be easier for me to connect with it. Yeah. So going off that, do you want to talk about your early pop experiences and maybe we were just watching a video about gorillas on pop music so yeah sure that was a big part of your early music life but yeah you can go earlier than that too whatever you want to yeah with. yeah i'll start earlier than that um uh the first pop stuff i remember hearing was very uh club driven momentum based because my grandma taught aerobics and so it was a lot of madonna remixes that she would like supervise with um with mark stents the producer of of those records mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. the of the like 90s madonna records okay um they were big in the remix world um and so you know these kind of like extended club remix of of madonna songs mm -hmm. were my was my early exposure to pop it was very just like yeah um pumping Mm -hmm. pumping beats and stuff that I would hear mm -hmm. in the aerobic studio. And I would be like, I would have my Batman coloring book in the corner and my grandma would be teaching her aerobics class. So, you know, it's a giant, a giant room with like mirrors for walls and stuff. So those pumping beats were just like, boom, boom, boom. And mm -hmm. like really big and boomy. Mm -hmm. And so that's an early pop memory for sure. And then and to this day, you still like that early Madonna, like Immaculate Collection. Yeah. You, you like, um, would put that on when you listen, when you worked at the record store. Yeah. Immaculate Collection is, is, uh, it's probably, I, it, you know, it depends on if you count it as an album because it's, mm -hmm. you know, it's technically a greatest hits. I think in the pop world, uh, greatest hits tend to, to work better. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I think that, that's such a well curated sequenced collection mm -hmm. that um, I definitely consider it like an album. It's weird because I was not really, I was aware of Madonna, but wasn't really like knowledgeable or never went to listen to any of her stuff until I think the first big album I remember from Madonna is Ray of Light that came out when I was yeah. like a sophomore and it was this huge deal which is funny because it was a big departure from her earlier sound and then um, I'm shortly after that I made friends with a couple of girls who really liked Madonna like True Blue album was th the big one and so we would listen to that in their car all the time and so I also really connect most strongly with her early stuff but i didn't get into it until i was like 16 17 right yeah yeah that 90s run i i really enjoyed and yeah get, uh having all those producers that she was working with that were coming from like the english club scene and mm -hmm. stuff that mm -hmm. were bringing these like bombastic drum machine influenced uh beats were really cool mm -hmm. um then it kind of jumps for me to like late 90s mm -hmm. um you know this is all very on the side because i was mostly into like rock music or whatever like you know like we've talked about smashing pumpkins and mm -hmm. stuff with me growing up but um something started to happen in the kind of y2k era 
where you had groups like ATL or like whatever the fuck mm. who d- did like la 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 la. It was always like two guys, two girls, and a lot of hair gel <laughs> and like colorful leather. Was Ace of Base in that scene or? No. It's like a little earlier. Earlier. <laughs> this is like, you know, you can't really remember their names. Mm. Like no one really stuck around. They each had like one hit. And what stuck in my head is the infomercial that would air in the morning mm-hmm. while I was getting ready for school. And so I'll literally still to this day at 31 get like the clip stuck in my head and know like how they were sequenced. Yeah. So it went like la 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 la. It goes around the world. And then it would like jump to like the other song. I wish I could. Sometimes I can remember like yeah. literally like what song was next in that commercial. It's funny that you have that association because me being a little older, I remember um, I just watched TV like 24 seven as a kid. And so being like a preteen teenager, it would, I would watch like daytime reruns syndication reruns of stuff and it would always be like the eight the 70s compilation or stuff I'd, oh right and it'd yeah. be like lady in red would go into think of laura and like all these songs that i've never actually heard the songs but i know <laughs> those little five yeah. second clips if if any of you don't know what we're talking about there were infomercials for mm-hmm. compilations that yeah. you could buy like over the phone best of yeah it was the it was the heyday of ordering it's like now that's what i call music type of stuff but this, yeah. it, it was there was commercials for it <laughs> and they would like um the song names would scroll yeah. on the screen <laughs> and whatever one was playing at that moment would be like highlighted in mm-hmm. yellow and there's and clips from the music videos and stuff like a karaoke machine style like the yeah the anyway that's a bit of a tangent but yeah it's funny because probably a lot of people have never seen any of those infomercials anyone under like 20 yeah, I would I would say definitely YouTube them because it's it's a way to really ingest what was going on in that type of genre in that like two or three year period mm-hmm. in like three minutes mm-hmm. is just watch watch one of those commercials <laughs> and you'll you'll see not only the visual aesthetic and the vibe that was going on at that time visually, but then like intake all of the mm-hmm. like production tropes and and get a sense of that sound and like what the videos like like the 70s one i don't even think they generally had music videos at the time but there'd be footage of people singing yeah really frolicking and nostalgic (laughs) and then uh uh right around that time is when believe came out and then that was like you know Mm -hmm. okay how like I obviously I didn't think this at the time because i was like nine years old but you know thinking back on it it must have felt like okay what is that how much further can we take pop Mm -hmm. because now the vocals are being messed with in an artificial way Mm -hmm. um for any you don't know but believe was a single by Cher in like 1998 or Mm 9 and um huge single like I don't even know if she had a single she'd been kind of gone for a bit for a while and then she came back and had this club single believe which was was the first big like auto-tune song that Mm -hmm. i can remember which was very unusual at the time for someone of her age i don't know she was maybe in her 40s i want to say at that time yeah um and you just didn't have pop singers in their 40s but she was so iconic 
I mean, this is the same time that Will and Grace, it was like <laughs> coming on and, and she was, remember how Jack is like obsessed with Cher and oh, she appears yeah, yeah, on the yeah, show yeah. and that song's coming out at the same. So she had this little renaissance, but yeah, it's really looking back. It's a super important pop song that maybe is a little bit forgotten at this now. I think Probably. a lot of people know it, but maybe underrate its influence. Yeah. At this point, it's like you might hear it in a grocery store, mm -hmm. but its prominence back then was undeniable. I loved it. <laughs> really? <laughs> I loved it. A little nine-year-old Joe, like, oh rocking out to it. Where did you listen to it? Uh, just the music video. Just like on airing on, on TV. Just so you would wait for it to come on. Yeah. I would just have, you know, I'd just be watching music videos and stuff. And it was probably like every fifth video was that. Um, and, you know, it also had guitar. Mm -hmm. And it had, you know, dear, dear, and so, like, you know, you had this club hit with very, like, electronica influences and, and like, visually striking music video that also had guitar and, like, um, really unique atmosphere and pads going on and stuff. And also, like, very, uh, how do you put it? Like, um, like, it had, like, a feeling to it. Mm -hmm. It almost felt, like, emotional. Yeah, it was, it's a really cool vocal performance from her too. Just a unique voice and, and the idea of the autotune being that at the time it was really revolutionary to use that as a sort of a vocal effect that wasn't, she obviously didn't need it. And now it's everywhere. You think, oh yeah, autotune, you autotune the song. It's, yeah. But that was the first big one. First big one I can think of and probably the case for most people mm -hmm. the first major mainstream hit that had this obvious you know this isn't this isn't like just pop vocal processing mm -hmm. this is like a purposeful effect and the song itself feels really timeless like if you didn't know when it came out you might not i guess the auto-tune kind of dates it though it doesn't really sound dated in the way you think it should yeah i mean you could tell someone it was 2010 and yeah. they believe it i almost say you could say it was like a 70s song just I, if you not with that production but just the melody and stuff it's it's very like traditional pop sure yeah i, I guess yeah <laughs> maybe you don't agree but uh, you know you could you jump to 2010 or something with uh something like um oh what's the kanye you know the like beautiful dark twisted fantasy stuff what's mm. that runaway um, you know, it 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 could have come out the same year as that, mm -hmm. and it clearly has an influence there. Mm -hmm. So that was that's kind of my history uh, with pop music leading up to two thousand one, where it, you know then mm -hmm. all the game changer stuff happens for me, mm -hmm. which obviously mainly is that first Gorillaz album coming out and getting it at ten years old and being introduced to dub and mm -hmm. you know i mean what the plethora the like smorgasbord of different genres and instruments and influences and features and everything that is that record um and then also the the daft punk record homework mm. comes out at the same time that has you know one more time mm. and these big club bangers that are sort of pop hits that are also just like electronic music and and that's really that's really what um cements it cements it for me yeah 2000s that was really 
that was really when the the return of of like group like pop groups Mm -hmm. was huge and like you were saying those sort of club pop songs that's like the two things that were going on so you had Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and Spice Girls and you know a lot of lesser known ones too going on and then and then just kind of the stuff that you were just talking about too so it all had this very sort of fun and wacky and just energetic vibe to it yeah even something like blue um the Mm -hmm. eiffel 65 thing you're seeing hits like that like worldwide phenomenons that were coming from like just production teams like eiffel 65 wasn't they weren't really a band it came from this like production house Mm -hmm. in like bristol or something where it was just a bunch of like beat makers and producers trying to make hit club records and and that's what it traces back to and so you start to get that real big blend of you know blurring the lines of just electronic club music Mm -hmm. and like international pop hits and like what is a musical artist which isn't that weird now there's all sorts of just producers who do music and but at the time like that was do would you say that was when like producers started to become celebrities uh i'd say that it's definitely like a benchmark for it mm-hmm. you know before that you know, yeah there's like always s- been phil like, specter or something mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or or um uh beach boys guy uh brian wilson yeah. and stuff like that but but yeah i would say that like now like your mom knows who timbaland is and stuff you yeah. know it starts to it starts to go in that direction and people know that you know dr dre is like mainly a producer and mm-hmm. he finds these people and he has a record label mm-hmm. and like these like, things these industry things and producer facts that start to become like household known facts like the neptunes and oh that's a really good example yeah. where it's just like everyone's kind of well aware that like they are not quite a band but a production team and knowing that gorillas is like a weird multimedia project mm-hmm. and that sort of thing coming into the, the yeah like one of the things that would sell a song to an audience was like oh the neptunes are on this or you know right one of those one of those same type of people um they would be as much of a draw as the as the artist a lot of times yeah so i guess to wrap up my pop history um around that time is is kind of uh Go, it goes back to rock mm-hmm. for me past that mm-hmm. like after the gorillas record mm-hmm. and being obsessed with that album for like i don't know like two years mm-hmm. or something um i by the time the demon days comes out in 2005 i'm already like already like all in on you know i'm listening to like pop punk like blink and green day I'm still super into pumpkins and I'm I'm uh not quite getting to Radiohead yet but about to mm-hmm. so so as far as pop music for me it sort of ends at around like 10 11 mm-hmm. and I don't get back to it for a very long time. Yeah, for me, I mean it's hard. I was again, I was older in the early 2000s than you and so I was like I graduated high school in 2001 um like at the time that all this pop stuff was happening and 
that was when I kind of was even more removed from, in a sense, more removed from popular music scene. But on the other hand, MTV and VH1 were still a thing and I would watch the countdowns and stuff still, but I just didn't connect with as much of it. Um, But there was, there was a lot of stuff I, you know, sort of tried out. I would just buy, I think the thing back then was you would go to Target and there'd be, there'd always be like a random CD for like eight bucks. So it was like, (laughs) oh, uh, like Kelly Clarkson's Breakaway is $8. I'll buy it. And that's a later, obviously, album. But, um, but I, I have that, I had that album. And the other day I was kind of trying to trace back, like, why did I, I liked the singles, but like, why did I buy that album? And I, kind of popped into my head it was probably just really cheap at target one time when i was there um but i also i got into there was a big scene of of course of like the pop songwriter girl like guitar pop oh sure type of thing um so i just i would just kind of buy stuff and and some of it stuck around and some of it didn't and like i had vanessa carlton's album because you know what does she do as you know, I'd walk a thousand miles if I could just see you tonight. She's got the piano and it's like on the road and it's, I could fall. Oh, it does it go? Yeah, I think that's the bridge. It was like, that was her only hit. Um, she had a cover of Paint It Black on that album. The Rolling Stones. Even the Rolling Stones one is a cover. Oh, the, yeah. The, the original isn't even in English. Huh. Fun fact. Yeah. T-I-L. Um, and I, I would listen to that one sometimes. I would always just get into random stuff. Like, I really liked the first Avril Lavigne album. Just some fun mm. pop stuff on there. I've listened to it again recently. Some of it I still like, some of it I don't. She actually has, I mean, I try and sing along to it. She actually had pretty decent range. It's, I can't even sing to some of it. Um, I liked the Weird Al parody. Yeah. <laughs> How was I supposed to know that we were both related? <laughs> I don't think I know that one. Oh, that's a good one. It's on uh, his hit album Poodle Hat. I liked the ballad, um, I'm With You. You know, it really spoke to me as a loveless young teen and or young adult <laughs> i just knew complicated skater boy is still just like an odd it's just an odd song it's just yeah what was it, it was, was that just like, this a, like it was like kind of a pop punk song but that wasn't the audience for it yeah it was definitely a pop, i mean that's kind of defines that avril lavigne album is like they were kind of marketing her as pop punk but the album really was not it was just she wore eyeliner and like those long shorts I mean, obviously she, was, obviously she was a, a punker kid. She had a tie on over like a t-shirt. Yeah. What the? <laughs> get this hothead rebel out of here. It's funny. I'm starting to see this trend again where you'll get really alt looking um, girls in the in the pop scene and then you listen to their music and it's like very pop or like very bedroom pop or something. And the image and the music are very distant from each other which i think is fine um but yeah it was it was just a funny thing like skater boy was like kind of the one song that were like was like a nod really a nod to pop punk and it was one of those snarky is like um misery business is is kind of like this too where um 
they would be these girl singers kind of like throwing shade at other girls for like being i don't know like blonde and popular <laughs> oh sure yeah yeah and um you know taylor swift does that too later on um this whole sort of idea of like let's show that we're the cool girl we're not like those other girls and that's like this weird thing of like you're supposed to be alternative or else you're just and it's always been a thing and it is still a thing but um it's interesting you bring up a couple of minutes ago you brought up the like just experimenting with buying random cds Mm -hmm. because until you just mentioned that i totally forgot about that Mm -hmm. in about 2003 i um was spending a summer out in new jersey and and i did that a lot Mm -hmm. and i would just like my grandma would take me to best buy and i could just get a couple cds and Mm -hmm. i did have a a lot of experimenting back then Mm -hmm. and most of it didn't take like Mm -hmm. i remember buying like i ran i got toxicity by system of a down (laughs) yeah that had like wake up yeah and it you I were just, just like all you would know was the single and so you'd be like maybe i'll like this yeah tried that one didn't like it probably <laughs> played it once you know and um uh got meteora that summer and and i've talked about how the um unique production and sound design of that record did grab me um although i didn't like follow them past that or anything um and then some some did really you know like i randomly got rush of blood to the head that mm-hmm. summer oh yeah the cold Great play album. record mm-hmm. and um i i i have this like list of bands who like i really love one album and one album and only. none of the other ones <laughs> and and yeah, that's, that's definitely a, one of that's them on there yeah I, I wouldn't consider myself a Coldplay fan before after this record but this one record i loved and mm-hmm. you know even even just having something like that at 13 clashing with the other things i was listening to was pretty important Mm -hmm. this record that had like you know soft love songs and things like that Mm -hmm. but just like so well crafted Mm -hmm. um like the scientist i still really really love that song i i it's become a grocery store song as, as so many songs around that time are destined to become you just you only hear them when you go to Hagen or Safeway or whatever, mm-hmm. but but I, I I think that's an important and great song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it just being just and you worked at like we've said a lot. You worked at a record store, and and kids even still do this. They'll come in and buy CDs. Totally, that's which such is a, surprising to me. It's such a, I yeah. I want to get this out there. Uh, spread the word. <laughs> It still happens. People yeah. think like... Oh, they only, only listen on Spotify. Yeah, kids don't buy CDs anymore. They listen to albums. I sold kids CDs every day. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it, you know, maybe not everywhere in the country, but at least where where we live in the record store I worked at downtown. Um, were they buying... Oh, God. Anything. Well, it I was, was going like, to say, were they mostly buying used or new or was it a mix? Totally a mix. Mm-hmm. They They would experiment just as much as we were experimenting back then Mm -hmm. some kid coming in and you know the older kids said to listen to metallica so now they're buying like three used metallica cds like Mm -hmm. i don't know if they're gonna like it or not but he's buying them Mm -hmm. and then he comes in the next week and he's trying something completely different Mm -hmm. or 
you know, um, like, uh, I'm trying to think of other examples, you know, like, uh, like young, young girls coming in and wanting to like, uh, try like Tegan and Sarah or mm-hmm. something and not even knowing that they had records going back as far as they do. Like before Heartthrob and yeah. stuff. Yeah. And being able to show them like, oh, check out this one. It's mm-hmm. like, you know. The con. <laughs> yeah. The check out the, the con. It's like all the way back from 2004. Whoa. Whoa. And, and, you know, 80s stuff, 70s stuff, mm-hmm. modern stuff. Like, you know. Which is, is funny because you'd think everyone's just trying stuff out on Spotify and that's, I do that a lot. Um, but I don't know if there's a difference for when I hear of something I want to listen to and I go on Spotify, I usually do listen to a whole album or a whole EP. I don't just listen to one song. Um, and a CD really forces you to do that. So I don't know if people are doing that on Spotify or if they're just like cherry picking songs and they're listening to CDs and vinyl differently than than streaming. But yeah. um, I know that that's really affected the way that I still consume music um, to this day is I want I want to get the experience of the album to get a sense of who this person is. Unless I just, it's like three songs in and it's just like, mm. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to see stats on that. I know mm-hmm. I typically, um, it's kind of split for me. If I'm checking out a new artist on Spotify, I don't really know what makes me decide whether to like go to the most recent album Mm -hmm. and listen or just listen to like those, you know, it pops up with the top like four tracks or whatever Mm -hmm. with the, with the most listens. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I'm not, I'm not sure what makes me decide like which to check out or sometimes yeah. I'll do both. Like I'll listen to like the top two tracks and then jump to like, what's their first album like? Mm-hmm. And then I kind of feel like I got a scope, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I'm, I'm wondering what the norm is. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, we, <laughs> this is a good tangent, but, um, Back to pop. I do want to talk a little bit more about like my pop like young adulthood because it was again it was like a prime time and we're getting up there in time here no we're not doing we're not doing too bad at all what what are we at like 30 minutes yeah okay um so some other albums i had were definitely like i definitely had a destiny's child album just one i would do this i would get just one album and then that would be the only album i would ever buy by an artist i had survivor by destiny's child um and just I've said this before this episode, but like I've been going back and re-listening to a lot of that stuff just out of curiosity. Um, that one has, I think, a few that hold up and other ones. That also had a song called like Nasty Girl that was about slut shaming this girl for dressing skimpy. It's like so many songs at this time were like that. Um, I'm sure Beyonce re- regrets that mm. one a little bit because it's not a nice song about <laughs> a woman <laughs> who's just living her life. Um, and I had Misunderstood by Pink. Weird. I just, the experience of revisiting that album was absolutely bizarre. Um, I had... I never, I never liked Pink. I kind of did. And there were some of the songs, there wasn't like a very R&B influenced song on that album. I think there was actually one with like, um, Steven Tyler that I liked. And yeah, now it's not as much my thing anymore. Um, but I would always listen to songs, albums in my car. So if I could sing along to it, I would tend to like it more than if I was just maybe just sitting listening to it. Cause it was fun to sing along to. 
Um, and I also had the uh, Stripped by Christina Aguilera yeah. or her like bad girl, the right. bad girl phase. Also a strange album if you listen to it. Weird mix of songs. She was definitely experimenting at that time. And it was in the midst of this whole like pitting pop women against each other um which i now realize is total bs and i'm ashamed i bought into it but we all did and i was just very much oh yeah it was in it was in every genre yeah you know you got like you got like the brit pop wars like Mm -hmm. blur versus oasis that is no different than britney versus christina fabricated war versus jessica versus yeah and at the time i was just this like very like i don't listen to britney like ooh, britney she's like and now you know going back i've been listening back through some of her stuff and um i can't say that i'm like a current like a huge fan of hers obviously there's some songs of hers i really love but just like as a person what happened to her because of all this and all of them due to this sort of media thing it's just appalling and um and i hope we can not re- regressed that way as society as much yeah. i mean even Lindsay lowen had a thing like you know she came out with an album and people were very dismissive um of her as well <coughs> and uh yeah there's just tons of that going on in, in the in the pop music scene um i was at that time i wasn't i was i was fully in like rock world yeah during that stuff mm-hmm. i didn't you know the yeah the whole Britney Christina boy band time mm-hmm. was probably like my time of like uh, least consumed mm-hmm. pop music. And I never bought any boy band albums. I was too good for boy band albums. Though even in my heart of hearts, I knew that I really liked In Sync, and I never have owned an album or listened to a full album by them. But I do really love all the In Sync singles. I couldn't. I just can't get into Backstreet Boys though. Not my thing. Yeah. And then, you know, once Justified came out Ugh, and yeah. had like some serious, uh, some serious pop hits, you know, I think, I think that Rock Your Body is like such a classic. Oh, yeah. Um, and Crimea River, too, is well, so good. No, I, don't, I wasn't saying like blanket statement classic. Okay. I'm saying that Rock Your Body was uh, bringing back like classic production of mm-hmm. like you know early like michael jackson stuff where mm-hmm. it's just like this drummer's solid mm-hmm. and he's on this track and it's got amazing bass that's just like well recorded bass and was sort of bringing back a little bit of the more real instrument band performance mm-hmm. into stuff and mm-hmm. i and you know you mentioned crimea river i think that that has some of that too but you know, then you started to see that sort of thing come back with like a, you know, pop singer with like a very talented backing mm-hmm. band. It really bl- brought pop music to the next level and to the next era. Um, you didn't see the groups happening as much. Um, this was a time also when I, I don't know exactly the years, but you know, when MTV was a big thing, it would they would have like making the band type of the guy who put together now known to be a horrible abusive man but the guy who put together both InSync and Backstreet Boys had a show where they put together a boy band called O Town. <laughs> okay. And then Is there that, was who's that's not Nick Lachey. No, that's 98 degrees. This was like gotcha. a band they were just a little flash in the pan. More like 98 disease, am I right? That's what kids would say in school. Oh, they would actually say that. 
Yeah, 98 Disease. I never heard that one. Yeah, pretty... Got him. So smart. Got him. Um, and there was... I don't know if it was the same show, but later there was a girl group one too. I told you this the other day because you were unaware. Um, they put together a girl band and they were allowed to name themselves and they named themselves Danity Kane. Fuck. That's bad. Da- Dan- Danity Kane. I They explained it at one point and I have no recollection as to what it was supposed to mean that but sounds like a candy bar you're a pop like you're a pop group you got to be you know spice girls or like destiny's child you, it's got to be like a it's got to fit in with the pop i like danity canes better when they had the original recipe <laughs> should we talk about nasty cherry while we're on the subject <laughs> well, we kind of did already in an episode yeah we did yeah so go back and listen to that one uh yeah i think that that we can wrap up part one here that was mm-hmm. sort of like our trajectory with pop music and what we were consuming growing up and in part two which we're going to record right now um we kind of want to get more into uh how this all comes back to separator mm-hmm. how the things we the things we've consumed in classic and modern pop music through our lives sort of come back into play Mm-hmm. when we start separator because you know before that it was just rock band we had rock bands and and then coming into separator and having the freedom to bring some of that influence in you know is uh feels sort of like a culmination so we'll get into that and uh, and then just probably some talk of modern pop music yeah i mean there's still like a little bit of stuff in that i haven't talked about as far as like a little later on but um i also think there's a lot we have to say about stuff that's going on right now so we'll try and work that in um, yeah. to the next episode this has been really fun i feel like i could do a whole another whole episode just about this yeah i mean i i think we can always we can always jump to these like i said at the, you know especially coming off of two episodes where we're kind of talking about intense band stuff and mm-hmm. emotions and you know, logistical, you know, uh, deep dives into logistical mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. with the band. I think that it's always nice to then come to an episode where we can kind of just geek out about music. Mm-hmm. And it's also a chance for you guys to interact. Um, again, I know that this podcast isn't getting, you know, that many listens yet, mm-hmm. but um, right now we are trying to find ways to get it out there more and while also trying to be consistent. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to act like we're talking to some vast audience. Cause that's weird. I know that it's like right now it's like on average about seven to 15 people listening <laughs> and watching, you know, across Spotify or YouTube. But even that little amount would love to hear your history with pop music. Yeah. Yeah. What are the bands that, what are your formative pop bands? Like tell us, what we missed also i mean we didn't we didn't even dive back into like cindy lopper and stuff classic stuff yeah yeah. and and would love to hear you know kind of like i was saying with believe um the share single like Mm -hmm. what's like sort of um i mean not that we believe in guilty pleasures here no but just music you like what would you call like something like that kind of like a guilty pleasure Mm -hmm. pop single that's your, your your own little banger yeah, the ones that you were kind of ashamed at the time and hopefully now you can fully own you your embrace. love of. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we're going to jump right into the next episode. Um, but you. for you guys, we'll see you next week. 
I'm Joe. And I'm Stephanie. This is You Don't Care About This Band. We're Separator. And you could say that we have a pop single out right now. Mm -hmm. It's called Appetite. And uh, go check that out. There's another one coming right down the pipe called Folly. See ya. Bye. Bye.